What, do you think I don't have more evidence? My loyal subordinate is standing by with the DVD, which shows Savage's hideous plans for this country. Get him out! Get him out of Play here! Play it, Bob! Play the disc! Play it! Now! Two Americans talk about British TV and pop culture. I'm Danny. I'm Sheldon. And I'm sorry that this episode's late. Yeah, it's a little late. It's a little late. We've been we've we've, we've we had been feeling great. Yeah. We've both been just like sleep schedules are wonky and allergy season is upon us. Like fall is officially here and it hit hard. Yeah, yeah. So we were struggling, but we're back now. Back. We're in it. We're recording. Everything feels right with the world. Well, yeah. I mean, the world itself is tough. Like, yeah, California is literally on fire. There's but. still issues with COVID. Yeah. But um, we're, 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 we keep on going. <laughs> Do you have any British news or anything? Um, no, I didn't, I didn't see anything newsworthy. Um, I have two small things. Okay. One, I just learned what the British, like, nutrition label looks like. And, and I don't mean, like, the kilocalories that are on the back of just everything. Like, okay. they're, I don't know if this is a new thing, but have you seen, the, like, the nutrition labels with the colors? Mm, I don't know. So, like, essentially, they will have, like, each serving contains, and then... Do you have a picture? Yes, I do. Um, but a big... I have seen those. Basically an indicator, like, the green, yellow, red. Um, Danger but, zone. Yeah, and so I saw on... Um, there is a good uh, subreddit I think I've mentioned on here, Casual UK, mm. and people were trying to find one with all red. <laughs> barbecue chicken wings. Yeah, so barbecue chicken wings are... The, <laughs> if you're looking for an all red nutritional meal, <laughs> you can find barbecue chicken wings just ruin your life. <laughs> well, I mean, it makes sense. There's a lot of sugar in barbecue sauce, right? Yeah, and that's what I was thinking. It's all in the glaze. like, mm. And even chicken wings... Yeah. are very fatty. Mm. Like, they're not a healthy part of the chicken, so, like... Yeah. Yeah, it kind of made sense. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. Um, another thing I found interesting, I mean, it's it's been a little while since we've talked, and they've, like, firmly confirmed the premiere date of James Bond, No Time to Die. Oh, yeah. What, which, what is the date? So, in England, it's going to come out the 30th of September. Okay. And then in America, it'll come out the next week... October 8th. Okay. Cool. Um, so I should fly to England and watch it there. Yeah, and my passport has expired, so you'll have to do it without me. I can go alone. I mean, you could. Yeah. You could. I will. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but uh, that's exciting. I mean, this movie, they they started production. I mean, they didn't start filming, but started working on this movie in 2016. Mm. Like, this movie has been... 
kicked around for a while now. That's true. I mean, they didn't film it, I think, until like early 2019, but then it was supposed to come out like late that year or early last year. It got pushed back. Yeah, I had it written. We bought tickets, actually. Yeah. You and I had purchased tickets and then COVID happened and we got our tickets refunded. Yeah. So we were going to go to the theater and watch it. It was, like, really close. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. Yeah. But, like, I think on the podcast, we haven't really talked about, like, you're a really big James Bond fan. Like, yes. Or at least you've you've seen uh, every movie. I'm a pretty big or... fan. I'm not the biggest fan, but, um, I yeah, I have all of the movies on DVD and Blu-ray. That alone <laughs> makes you a fan. Like, you don't have to backpedal and say you're not a fan. Well, of I'm it. just saying, like, I don't know everything. Sure. But okay. um, I have been on the world's largest, most important Bond podcast as a guest yeah three times um yeah and that's mainly because i was a bond fan that was also a woman and i think they wanted to you know spice up to represent to spice up what kind of guests they had well Um, i mean it makes sense that james bond as a franchise is a very male oriented it is i think uh yeah audience i personally think that when Barbara Broccoli took over the franchise from her father mm-hmm. uh, and Daniel Craig was brought in, I do think that that moment onward, it started to become more, I don't want to say female friendly, but I think they started to target more than just men. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there's been a lot of cool promotional items for women coming out around the time of all of Daniel Craig's films, nail polish, perfume, all mm. kinds of stuff. So, yeah. Um, I'm really excited for this new movie. <laughs> yeah. To be really exciting. So, we'll definitely good. Yeah, we'll definitely be doing that episode. Um we might have to do both like James Bond as a whole and No Time to Die like two separate discussion. Like a little back-to-back episodes. Cuz again, I've seen all the movies. Yeah. I have thoughts. And I've seen most of them. I mean, like, it's one of those things growing up in a house of boys, like, we would just have them on TV. Like, oh, yeah. TNT were, played it all the time, you know? TNT would do, like, a Roger Moore marathon. Just a huge marathon. And they would do a weekend where they would just show every Roger Moore film. <laughs> and my dad loved Sean Connery Bond, hates Roger Moore. Like, interesting. I think Roger Moore is his least favorite Bond. That's interesting, because I love Roger Moore. And I, I think, love. like, my dad's just that kind of like wild west cowboy mentality he wants the more rough and tumble bond i will say um sean connery's bond is a man's man yeah and that's what my dad wants roger moore's bond was uh way more vulnerable yeah he had moments of vulnerability in a way that sean connery never did so mike price doesn't want to watch that (laughs) he doesn't want to think about he reads all the uh jack reacher books yeah he does speaking of like spies and things yeah all of those all the bosh he's so upset that that show is over (laughs) um well but i mean james bond kind of ties in a little bit to what movie we're going to talk about (laughs) today this is a movie that i have loved since around 2004 
And I have watched it so many times <laughs> because I love it to death. And you've shown me clips. I've told you about it yeah. and we never had watched it. And so we sat down to watch it for this podcast and I was really praying that it was going to be funny. Because yeah. sometimes you see a comedy when you're younger and you love it. It's the greatest thing you've ever seen. And you revisit it as an adult and it is so bad yeah and so i was just really praying that this was going to hold up i was really praying that it was going to be funny and that you were going to laugh and it ended up being amazing (laughs) yeah it ended up being pretty great i mean comedy is one of those things that we've talked about like comedy is always of the time that like a lot of comedic movies and tv shows by nature are supposed to represent what's happening right then Mm -hmm. and so like 10 15 years later it's not all going to mesh with like how society advances. And so there are certain jokes in this that don't land anymore because society's in a different place. Mm. But I thought like 95% of it was great. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like more than you can ask for it's with a comedy true. that came out like over 10 years ago. Yes. Um, and it's interesting. Um, Wait, did we say the name of the movie? Oh yeah. Johnny English, <laughs> by the way. I mean, you you know if you're listening it's or if true. you're... I wonder, though, how many people, like, actually read the name of the episodes or if they're like, I'll download and I'll figure it out on the way. Oh, interesting. I think they probably know. I think everyone knows. But, uh, yes, we are. We watched Johnny English. Um, the Rowan Atkinson classic. A comedy from 2003. Yeah. And um, the premise of it is basically, it is a James Bond parody. He's yeah. playing an international, you know, he's like a super spy Works for MI5. Um, So basically the premise of it is that um, Rowan Atkinson, the movie starts with him and he's like infiltrating um, this like manor at night and he's like getting Mm. through security and he's getting past the dogs and he slips into the house and he's like really good tactically and with weapons and like he uh he's about to romance a beautiful woman and um then he wakes up and you see he was just dreaming yep and he is not a spy he is just a a pencil pusher yeah he just works in the office of mi5 doesn't have any you know his job's not important and um an agent is killed and all the agents at mi5 attend the funeral And at that funeral, someone assassinates all of them with a bomb in the casket. Which is my favorite trope. (laughs) I love that when it shows up in any movie. It kills every single MI5 agent except for Rowan Atkinson, who was posted at the front working security. And um, so he is MI5's, he's England's only spy. Which is a great concept for a movie where you're like, yep, and now let's just watch Rowan Atkinson do that for an hour and a half it's and and i will say like the movie itself i think it's it's really funny um but rowan adkinson makes every joke that works he is making that joke work yeah like both playing on the idea that like rowan atkinson as a suave sophisticated man or a man who's trying to be suave and sophisticated like you totally buy it but he doesn't get these kind of roles. Yeah. Like, so it's fascinating to just watch him where you're just like, I bet you've had this like pent up for a while, like wanting to do a little like suave. Yeah. But then he'll like undercut it with something goofy. And you just, uh, one, you realize how talented he is. Yeah. But then two, 
Like, he doesn't let a scene go by without getting, like, one or two quick little jokes in. It's like, true. Like, tiny bits of physical comedy in with, like, the actual written stuff. So, um, they're actually, what's interesting is this character of Johnny English, this is a character that he actually, um, played in a series of advertisements in the 90s oh. for a bank in England, huh. I think. I think it was a bank, um... And he was this, like, bumbling spy. And even the character of Buff was, like, in these advertisements. Amazing. So he did these advertisements, and he did this character before. And then it got a movie. Um, and I'm glad it did. I love it. <laughs> Can you... I can't imagine a spinoff from a commercial. Like, can, think, try to think about an American commercial. What... What could you even have spun Well, do you off? remember when the cavemen got a show? That's true. The Geico cavemen Were they did Geico? It. Yep. Yeah, those cavemen, those commercials were it, huge. That, I think, only got like three episodes. It got canceled so fast. Well, I remember loving those commercials. Yeah. I mean, everyone loved those commercials. And so when the show came out, I watched the premiere and it was so not great. It's really hard to adapt something that's that short form. Mm -hmm. It's like the problem that like shit my dad says found whenever they're like this guy was huge on twitter but like you can't adapt that to i completely forgot about that show right wow. and william shatner like he can't make it work yeah no wow. that's interesting so that's why i'm like i'm even more impressed that they managed to take a series of commercials and yeah. make a very solid spy movie parody yeah that still stands on its own like and i do want to mention as much as I love this movie and as much as I have and will rave about it, <laughs> um, it's really dumb. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm not. No, no. It is it is not the most clever movie, but it's clever in its execution. Yes. I think it, at every time, knows exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. Like, it knows the level of humor it's going for. It's never, like, scraping the bottom of the barrel for easy jokes. Yeah. But it's not giving you a ton of, like, very complicated setup. It also set it sets things up really well, I think. You know? You get, like, they, they <laughs> lay all this groundwork so that you know he has all this, like, oh, buff, let me tell you my expertise. And, mm -hmm. like, he'll give you all this expertise, but he can't make it work, you know? He's just, like, he fancies himself to be this international man of mystery, but, like, he's just... A nitwit. <laughs> and it's so great in every situation. You know, Boff is going to do the right thing, just very casually. Yep. And you can just tell, you're like, how is Johnny going to mess this up? Oh my gosh, it's and, so good. Oh. So, um, yeah, so he's England's only spy, and um, the crown jewels are stolen. Right out from under his nose. Right out from under them. He was head of security for this event. They're I stolen. love that speech that he's <laughs> making, like trying to guarantee oh. that they're not gone. And then they have been stolen from right behind him. Yep. And oh. then the next day when they're coming in to like survey the crime scene... And uh, he's like, now, did they come into a window or did they drop down from the ceiling? We can be sure of one thing, though. They did not come up from the floor. And, and he, he almost falls into a giant hole that had been dug in the floor that they definitely came up through. It's so good. Oh, it's so good. So, yes, the crown jewels were stolen. Um, and then we learned that it they were stolen by um, John Malkovich. He's Which... <laughs> I love him so much, and I'm like, I'm mad that he's not in very many movies anymore. Yeah, I he's fantastic. There was like a 10-year window where every movie he appeared in was phenomenal. Yeah. And then he's just bored. 
I guess he's doing the show for Netflix, the space one. Mm. Yeah, he doesn't, uh, it's not like he needs money. No. Um, but yeah, John Malkovich is playing Pascal Sauvage, who is a French nobleman. And he um, has a spot on accent. Oh God, it's, the, it's, <laughs> it's one of the so worst. Bad. Well, what's really funny about it and really cool is that it's such an over the top yeah. French accent. But apparently John Malkovich is fluent in French. Interesting. <laughs> so, he, this was definitely a character choice. This wasn't yeah. like he didn't know how to do it. He made a choice. And honestly, it fits the tone of this movie. Oh, and it fits that character of him being so, like, laughably pompous <laughs> that, like, he would even be, like, putting on an affectation of, of being even to more... To be extra French. Yeah. Yeah, so he hates England. He um, figures out that once the queen... Like, if the queen were to step down and all of her family were to abdicate basically well not abdicate but step down um he would be next in line yeah and so he decides to do that make his plan come true so that he can own england reign england and basically turn it into a giant prison just send the world which is so funny and awful yeah it's terrible plan love his revenge story like his plan to get the crown but then that's all he wants to do with it it's just yeah well he's like uh he owns like a prison um franchise or something yeah franchise is not really the right word i do love though like his idea is something that's like always fascinated me and just about how many countries in like the like 1500s, 1600s, 1700s, 1800s, just all intermarried royalty. Mm. So there's so many just like loose strands where if you're like, if this whole family dies in an accident today, yeah, that guy from Spain might now be in charge of your country. You know what's really like, interesting? That's so fascinating to me. Well, do you know what's really interesting about that that I never really thought about until just now? Both what? Johnny English and Pascal Sauvage like came to this um, position of power through the elimination of everyone in their way. Yeah. You know, it, it took getting rid of everyone else for them to get, to like go head to head, you know? Yeah. That's really interesting. And I think that's, that's a reason why this movie works a lot is because they are good foils for each other. Yeah. Both of them think they're way smarter than they are. <laughs> and that's how they each underestimate each other, yeah. which is really great. Just time and time again. Um, let's talk about characters. Let's do it. Um, so we've got Rowan Atkinson. We've got Rowan Atkinson playing Johnny English. So good. Um, yeah. Um, and we we have John Malkovich, obviously Pascal. Um, we have Ben Miller playing Boff, who is um, he's described as being Johnny English's sidekick. Um, I guess he's like a fellow agent. Yeah. But uh, it's really interesting. This Throughout guy the Friday. whole movie, he is doing everything successfully. Yeah. <laughs> Johnny, Absolutely. Johnny well, English I mean, is the one messing up. Yeah, it's, it's that old trope of like, you know, the the detective that's not as good at his job, but his uh, deputy is, is always helping him out. Yeah. Um, we also have... Um, oh, Kevin McNally, who plays uh, Gibbs in Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. He plays the Prime Minister. It's a small role, but... But I spotted him too quickly because Pirates of the Caribbean is the best trilogy. You love it. Love it. Um, also of note, Natalie Umbrulia. And 
very good in this movie. Like She's pretty good. She plays uh, Lorna Campbell, who is a mysterious woman that Johnny yeah. English meets in their sparks of attraction. Instant sparks. Um, yeah, Natalie Imbruglia is a singer. And it's one of those things with stunt casting like this. I think whenever you go to watch a movie that has somebody you know from like singing or sports mm-hmm. when they show up i feel like you always get a little like your stomach gets tight where you're like all right what am i about to sit through the next hour of like are you actually going to be good at acting yeah just like do the bare minimum yeah and then so the second she that she good. comes in and she's great like so much so that like by the end you you really forget that this is a pop star yeah, she did a really good job of being beautiful, but also having to go along with all the dumb jokes in the movie. Like she yeah. just she just went with it and she understood yeah, it took the tone. It in stride. She was really good. I don't think I've seen her in anything else. I know, which is surprising. <laughs> I feel like if she wanted to, she could have had more of a career in acting. Yeah. And maybe it was a thing that she, didn't, she didn't enjoy the experience. To. Like yeah. acting is not for everyone. And especially if you're in music and yeah. that's what makes more sense for you? Well, it's interesting, too, because she's basically playing a Bond girl in a parody of the Bond franchise. Yeah. Um, one other oh. thing that is actually um, a little piece of trivia is that Nina Young, who plays the uh, secretary that Johnny English accidentally... Um, <laughs> the he, one that he murders? He hit, well, she doesn't die, but he hits her with Do the like tranquilizing... That? Yeah, she came back oh, in the okay. next scene, she, and then she was like mad at him. Um, I don't think I caught that. Yeah, he, he hits her with a tranquilized ballpoint pen. <laughs> um, that actress was a Bond girl. Oh wow! I can't remember. I can't remember which movie it was. Um, yeah, so that's interesting. Well, that's really cool. Yeah, but yeah, this movie—it's—it's it's just so dumb. Like, it's not. I don't know. I just love <laughs> it. I, I just I love it. Do you remember when? Johnny English, he did something like, um, he, he basically did, he messed something up and then he blamed it on some assailant and they were like, really who? And he was like, he ran in here. And then you have the whole scene of him (laughs) acting like he's going in this room and beating up this guy, but it's really just him like making fighting noises and making it sounding like he's, he's beating someone up. Um, which it's one of those like very funny scenes. But then immediately after, he shuts the door. He's like, nope, don't go in there. And you're like, but why? Everyone <laughs> would... been subdued. And he puts ketchup <laughs> on his face. Um, um, there's only one other person I think we'd be remiss to not mention that um, she's uncredited. But I found out the woman who plays the queen mm. is Prunella Scales, who is Sybil Faulty from Faulty Towers. Oh, wow. So she's uncredited in the movie, but That's cool. they wanted to give her a little nod. I like that. That's cool. I like that she was still working in 2003. Right. Um, uh, yeah, so do you remember when he, they're like, will you describe the assailant? Yeah. And they, they have he's like. He's got big red hair. They have like a police sketch artist, but he's building the image on a computer. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, yes, he had frizzy red hair and a scar in the shape of a banana. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and he describes that guy. And it's just, they're like. Did he look like this? And they turn around and show like the most nightmarish. It's a hideous human. Clown criminal. Yeah. That um, nobody would ever look like. The, like you would create in a terrible video game <laughs> and then just laugh about how weird this yeah, thing is. I love that. 
Um, there's also the the chase scene when they go down the tunnel and then they pop out of the garage and the Pascal Sauvage's henchmen are loading the crown jewels into their hearse. Yeah. And they're like, after them! And he and Boff get into Johnny English's car, his spy car, and they basically chase them. The whole chase sequence is actually a really good... It was really good, yeah. It's a really well-shot and well-planned car chase sequence. I noticed that this time. I was, like, just laughing at how dumb this movie was, and then this the whole action sequence was really impressive. And then they followed up with the hardest part of the movie to watch for me. <laughs> Which is... When he interrupts the funeral, oh. and it's just, like... It just... It went on for a, a long time. And, like, I think cringe humor is kind of hit or miss for me. And in that moment, like, we already got that joke of him doing the wrong thing, showing up the wrong place. So I'm like, we didn't need him explaining it to another group of people. And then the answer out was that he was, like, mentally deficient in some way. And I was like, I didn't like that that's how you left that scene. Yeah. But everything before it, the car chase, the idea of, like, a hearse being in an action chase, Mm -hmm. like, that's unique, too. Like, Mm -hmm. it it was a really uh, inventive kind of car chase from yeah, start to finish. I liked it. I also like how they run out to his spy car and it's being towed. And then Boff's like, what, yes. do, we, what do we do? <laughs> and he goes, watch and learn, Boff. And then they, it cuts to them in the tow truck, driving the tow truck. <laughs> what a, Like, what a great cut. And then, of course, he has to go get back inside the car and have Boff, like, whenever he is, like, swinging him out in the street and then he motions, like, no, no, swing me back, swing me back. Yeah, that, that's really good. Oh, I, I also it. like when he's having, he has Boff drop the car down on the street, mm-hmm. but then it starts moving and you realize he's dropped it on a flatbed. <laughs> on a different truck. <laughs> being, being towed by another truck. Oh. It's so good. Um, there's the sushi scene where he and Lorna, um, she's at a <laughs> one of those yo sushi <laughs> restaurants in yep. London. And um, he's like trying to be like, oh, I know I can speak Japanese and I drink sake and I and I eat sushi, but he doesn't know what any of it is. Nope. And um, I also love how the scene, like it's a dumb scene, but like at the end, his tie gets caught in the in the conveyor belt. Yeah, yeah. it's just really funny. Oh, and then he goes, what does he say? I'm an agent. I'm All a secret right. agent. Do you remember? Yeah, that? I think something like that. He yeah. started to like knock people off of their chairs because he's like ha- he's getting dragged along by his tie, and he's like, <sighs> I'm a secret agent. <laughs> Um, there there also was, uh, I mean, uh, speaking of like Bond parodies, like in the beginning, they don't necessarily do like a straight up parody of like the Bond theme song, but they do. Like, I mean, oh, yeah. it, him jumping around and doing the little rolls, like just doing tiny little yes. like rolls across I the ground. Actually, it's, um, I think it's called Man for All Seasons. Yeah. Uh, and it's sung by um, Robbie Williams. Ooh, okay. Yeah. So they got Robbie Williams to do the, like, Bond theme song. And, yeah, and I love that it's, like, this cool, like, he's, like, this cool spy, but it's him just, like, running around MI5 building, like, getting lost. Mm-hmm. And you see him going up, like, going upstairs and then turning around and going down yeah. and then getting lost in the hallways. It's just really funny. And, like, they really, like, just start to call attention to him getting lost, basically. It's, it's really like, good. the song is a little fourth wall breaking. I also good. love... It's a dumb joke, but I love that when um, Agent One comes into his office and he's like starstruck and Agent One takes his jacket off and throws it onto the coat hook. Yep. And so Johnny English tries to do that on his first day as a spy and it goes out the window yep. and you hear a car crash. <laughs> it's, it's so stupid. 
stupid, but I don't even care. <laughs> I love how many movies like have pulled from this idea that like, I think while we were watching it, I pointed out, I was like, oh, that's what the whole movie, The Other Guys is. Oh, yeah. Is the same thing where like the two superstar agents died and then Will Ferrell and Marky Mark have to now be agents. Well, it's also the same thing that happens in the Eurovision movie, too. Yep. Where every single contestant from Iceland gets blown up. And yeah. so they have to send their worst ones because... And in a way, it's like <laughs> a little bit like the Kingsman movie where they're like, everyone's dead, so we got to bring in new blood. It's yeah. you, kid. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's a it's good a way good, to a show a character trope. thrust into action without yeah. being really prepared for it. Yeah. Um... What else, what so, other parts of the movie did you really there's like? There's the scene when <laughs> when he and Bob are going to parachute down onto the building because oh. they're trying to infiltrate Pascal Sauvage's party. Yeah. And so they're like, we'll parachute down onto the building. We'll land on top of the building. We'll like repel, repel down the side, yeah. cut a hole in the glass and go inside. And Boff tries to give Johnny English a laser beacon. Yes. Multiple and, times. Yeah. Insisting. And he's like, laser beacon, huh? Your, what does he say? Your reliance on technology really does astonish me, buff. And basically says, like, I can, you know, I can find my way out of anywhere. And, of course, he parachutes and lands onto the wrong building. Because there are two identical buildings. They yeah. look so similar. So he lands in the building, and it's clearly a hospital. Yeah. And he goes, he's, like, looking around, and there's, like, sign for the laboratory and he's like what a sick operation and he's <laughs> running and then he goes in, into one of the rooms and there's an old man oh, sitting God. there and he goes oh no what have they done to you they took my blood he goes they've taken some of my blood <laughs> the bastards <laughs> And oh, then the it. realization when he is on the phone with Boff. No, and... he crowds. He gets every doctor. He oh. takes the old man. He gets every doctor and nurse on the floor takes at hostage. gunpoint. Yep. Crowds them into a room and then is like, tell me where I can find your sinister boss, Pascal Sauvage. <laughs> and I love the way this is done. They, all... they don't say anything. They all just look over to the left. <laughs> <laughs> and you can see out the window a giant neon sign saying Sauvage. And it's on the building right next to <laughs> Door. it's so big and then, and then you see bosh and he's like looking over and he waves you said bosh oh sorry <laughs> uh thinking about my dad oh god no i love that part it's so funny <laughs> and then uh yeah they go oh yeah he has two rings that have needles on them and one has a truth serum and one has a oh. muscle relaxant great gag that he you can, immediately know is gonna go he the can, other like, way prick people with it and either get the truth from them or completely knock them out and of course he mixes them up yep. he stabs one guy and that guy tells the truth and then he stabs the other guy and that guy falls down and he accidentally and stabs, then he stabs himself. himself and then he can't like and oh. that joke carries through the like scene where he's trying to write but he's like he can't do it and that then joke goes on for a long it time. keeps going on like when they're on the elevator he can't speak properly and then when he goes into the party that the waiter hands him a glass of champagne and he just <laughs> drops just goes it right through his hand he just drops it and then the, the next time where like <laughs> he grabs it and and it breaks and he's just holding the top of the flute and a broken, like, shard of glass. So, you know those plastic champagne oh. flutes that you can buy yeah. where the, the base comes unattached from mm -hmm. the cup? If I ever am given one of those at a party or an event, I take the bottom off. And you do that. And I hold it the way that Johnny English holds it. I've seen 
you do that? It's so funny. It's it just is. a really good visual. It's a funny gag. Um, that's a really good part. I think. I mean, the best part of the movie is what it is all building towards. It's when Pascal Savage is going to get crowned. Oh. So it's all happened. Yeah. There's going to be a coronation. He's, but. What? Johnny is going to save the day. <laughs> he has got what he believes to be a DVD of Savage explaining his whole evil plan of how he's going to turn England into a prison. Yes. And he's going to play it in front of the entire world and they're going to know. He's going to play it on TV for anyone that was watching The Coronation. Except he didn't grab that DVD. He got the wrong DVD. He got Pascal Savage's DVD of... It was like surveillance of Johnny English in his bathroom singing ABBA. Does your mother know? And dancing. And like, what a choice of an ABBA song, too. Because to me, that's like not a top 10 ABBA song. No, but, but it's, it's funny. It's funny. And it's one of those songs that builds the way where like a lot of ABBA songs, I think, start off and they punch you in the mouth from the start. Yeah. Not this one. Like, does your mother know has that little don't 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 and you get to just like see him like brushing his teeth and like <laughs> or not brushing, but like singing into the toothbrush. And then just the way Dancing in his boxers. And it's so funny because I think like us as the audience are watching it happen. Yeah. And then he starts like thrusting in his boxers and then they hard cut to like all the people in the crowd. And then you're like, oh, right. The entire world is seeing this side of him. Oh my gosh. Like he's supposed to be a spy, like it's the most secretive so job. so embarrassing, but it's so oh, funny. I love it. That scene is incredible. They also have the scene where they're trying to break into, um, where is that place that they were breaking into? Oh, Pascal Sauvage's like lair or whatever. Yeah. And, um... He, he has to climb up the, like, the latrine. Like, he has to climb oh. up the long tube of yep. the toilet. It's really gross. But then he finds out that there was just a ladder you could have climbed up outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lorna went up the ladder. But, yeah, he gets out and he smells really bad. And then Boff is like, what is that? And what does he say? Just a bit of poo. It's just a bit of poo. <laughs> it's so gross. Oh, it's so good. I love it so much. Oh, I also love... The, the tiny joke that the guy has, Jesus is coming, look busy, oh tattooed as a tramp stamp. Oh my gosh. They like 3D print a rubber model of the face of the Archbishop of Canterbury. Yeah. And Johnny English sees them. He, he spies on them. And he actually sees them fitting this Archbishop of Canterbury mask on some criminal. And he sees that tattoo on the guy's butt. And so what he doesn't realize is um, they scrapped that plan. Yep. So they're Didn't no longer work. doing that plan. So the real Archbishop of Canterbury is at the coronation, but Johnny English thinks it's a guy he in thinks disguise. thinks it's a plant, yeah. So he like lifts up his robes and pulls down the guy's underwear oh. and shows his butt to everyone. Which is maybe even more embarrassing. <laughs> it's so than... stupid. Oh. And then when he looks so and he sees there's no tattoo, the way that he starts... Just... He starts pulling the guy's underwear back up, and it's just really funny. This is one of the dumbest movies that I love. Right? Like, I love it. It It's so much fun. Um, Wow. Well, would you like to take a little... Yeah, I think we need to take a little... Tea time? A tea break. Let's have some tea. It's time for tea. (laughs) 
Okay, welcome to Tea Time. This is the part of the podcast where we have a little cup of tea and we try a snack from England. Nice little British treat. Yeah. So, um... We know we messed up our snacks and we had a snack a week or two ago or an episode or two ago that would have been very fitting for this one the sherbet lemons the sherbet lemons yeah yeah but i just i had to have them you you wanted I just them. had to they're really good um but, so this was something i believe this was one of the candies sent to us by british listener julie incredible. um so i think that's what this is this is a galaxy um smooth milk chocolate bar because we thought with something as high class is johnny english we need a, a snack to match a high class chocolate yeah. but i don't know that this is high class well, i mean it seems like it is it's like silky and it smooth. looks nice it looks nice um, nice packaging yeah so i i think i've had galaxy chocolate before but i can't remember um they've got like a qr code on the back here that says our sustainability journey <laughs> and but um, it's in the shape of like a a cacao bean. So I, think. I started googling Galaxy this just to wild. see if I could get some some background image on it. Yeah, what is this? Well, I googled it, and what came up was, um, you know, sometimes you you Google something, and on Google the questions that people ask come up. Yeah. So that came up. It says, "Why is Galaxy called Dove?" Oh. So what this says is the Dove oh. the Dove brand name comes it's the same font. The Dove brand name comes from the original owners of the company, Dove Candies and Ice Cream. They were once based in Chicago, and Mars Inc. acquired the company in 1986. Dove started being manufactured in the UK as Galaxy in the 1960s, but there doesn't seem to be any information about why that happened. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) So, Dove Chocolate. Dove Chocolate is um, a brand of chocolate here in the US. Um, And... It, as I was growing up, was a staple in the Price household. Like, we didn't do candy a lot, but my mom really loved Dove chocolates. Dove chocolates. The little single packs. Yes, because yeah. then that way it wasn't like we had a bunch of candy laying around. Mm. We would just have like a little pack. And especially the Dove dark chocolate. That's what my mom and I would mess with. Interesting. Oh. Yeah, we had a lot of Hershey's in our house. We We got Dove every now and then, but I don't think that I ever was in love with Dove chocolate the way that I was Hershey's. See, I, I liked it a lot more than Hershey's. I didn't, Hershey's didn't do a lot for me. So I'm interested with this. Like, you know, I'm, I don't usually love a solid piece of chocolate. Yeah. But I do like the Dove flavor. So it might you be might something like that translates that's similar. Um, I am reading that people kind of compare Galaxy to Dairy Milk. Okay. Since they're both kind of a, just a chocolate bar. Yeah. Um, so yeah, let's give it a little try. It. I mean, I already love the texture in this. These little like ridges on the chocolate. These are fun looking. It's, it's like smooth, but like a tiny bit chalky, which I kind of like in a, in a chocolate, but it's not like, it doesn't crumble. Like it all stays together and it's not too sweet. Like sometimes a chocolate can have too much sugar, kind of that flavor. This, I, I don't know, I, I like it. It is just a piece of plain chocolate, but I think it's like a pretty good little chocolate. Yeah, I think this is really good chocolate. It, it is interesting. Like to me, it tastes. I don't know. I maybe I haven't had Dove chocolate in a while. This to me tastes a little different. It does taste a bit different, but yeah. the texture is the same. The texture is there. The texture yep. is the same yeah. as Dove, because you know, um, 
Hershey's, like, I, I love Hershey's. I know a lot of people in the U.S. think it's crap and, you know, whatever. But I love it. Um, Hershey's does have a little bit of a, a graininess to it. Like kind it, of... It's, it's, it's a little abrasive. Yeah. And I'm fine with that. But this is very nice because it is very smooth. Yeah. And... But then, like, yeah, like I kind of mentioned, it's got a little chalk to yeah, it. You know, a little of that. It has the same, same texture as Dove chocolate that I know. Yeah. But it does taste a little bit like a dairy milk. Yeah. Yeah, that's, it's true. I think it does taste more like a dairy milk than the U.S. Dove chocolate. But you are right that, like, the texture, the, the sensation of, like, whenever you take a, a, a bite of this, it kind of breaks a little like a cookie would. I wonder if they make a Galaxy Dark chocolate. Oh, I bet they do. <laughs> if they make a Dove Dark, they probably got a, a Dark Galaxy. Galaxy, I'm Googling it. Dark chocolate. Oh, I know why they changed the name to Galaxy. What? I mean, they're the Mars company. Mm. That's so brilliant. Like, look at all that branding you have. <laughs> they like, do make they a dark. To, they need to take more advantage of that. It looks good. Cool. Uh, well, do you want to get back to our topic? Let's do. Um, so, I have some Johnny English trivia. Yeah, it was only fitting that you bring the trivia for this one since uh, it's a movie you really know and love. Yeah. Um, so, yes. Here's what's interesting. Johnny English is clearly a parody of the James Bond character. Right. Um, the funniest thing about that is that the writers of this movie are Purvis and Wade. I don't okay. know if you know the I names don't. Purvis and Wade. Okay. Purvis and Wade <laughs> are a writing team, Neil Purvis and Robert Wade. They have co-written seven James Bond films. Wow. <laughs> um, they started with The World Is Not Enough. Great one. And have written everything up to No Time to Die. Wow. Including No they Time to wrote... Die. They wrote... Wow. Yeah. Wait, so... Wait. Wait. So are they the only ones that write the Bond movies? Today, Yes. So they've written all of, like, the Bond movies of my childhood to present. Yes. Wow. <laughs> that, my, I don't know why. It's mind-blowing. I don't know why it is so hard for me to think of that. Two people writing that many, like, and that strong of a variety of Bond movies. Where some well, that they wrote are bad, bad. And some are the best Bond movies that exist. Yeah. That's why. Yeah, they basically they basically did um, you know the tail end of speaking of Abba Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, they started That's with the one. tail end of his run and then have done all of Daniel all Craig's. Craig's. And what I mean, you do have to also keep in mind that like though they write the movies, the movies are. Definitely a product of the studio and oh, of Barbara Broccoli. Yeah, so and they're they're told what to write. I'm sure yeah. they get they get brought back because it's exactly the movie that Barbara wants them to yeah. make. But that I that is shocking. It's so interesting that they that they wrote Johnny English. Yeah, <laughs> because it's such a comedy and it's also a parody of. And what's interesting too is that Johnny English was released in between Die Another Day and Casino Royale. So it kind of came Ooh. in in that in-between moment where it was like, okay, Die Another Day was insane. 
you know, I, our franchise is getting silly. Let's do a parody. And they wrote their own parody. And then it was kind of like rebooted. Yeah, that's what I wonder if it was them going, hey, we don't like that these movies are getting sillier and sillier. Let's just make the silliest James Bond movie we can mm-hmm. and wreck people's idea that like James Bond has to be funny. And so we can write the serious James Bond movies again. Right? It's interesting. It's like they or got like, they got all the rest of their gags out, yeah. and then we're like, Casino Royale. <laughs> all right, like let's go real. That's just fascinating. Sad and slow burning, right? With this one, like that, that makes Johnny English to me even more special. Yeah, because it definitely feels like then then they were writing movies and would come up with a scene and they're like, no, nah, that doesn't work. But like, save it for something save else. It. Save it for something. We don't know what, but that'll work later. Yeah, like maybe the, the car being on the tow truck. Great um, gag. Yeah. Maybe with it having to be lowered and, you know, like maybe there's stuff from this movie that was like Cause that I in can their back see pocket. In like, is it Quantum of Solace that starts with the like really cool car chase scene and like the quarry? That is probably the Bond movie I've seen the least. I didn't like the movie. Love the opening sequence, though. It's like, the one where he's in... Got a cool um, chase. Monaco? Is it Monaco? Yeah. I don't know. But it, it felt like that's the kind of like action scene oh, that Oh, where this the guy's in the been. trunk the whole mm-hmm. time, you find out? Yeah, that's really cool. Well, some more trivia. Um, yeah. The movie was very critically panned when it oh, came no. out. Which I believe. It's dumb. Yeah. But it made $160 billion at the box office. No. And their budget was $40 million. Wait, $160 million, you mean? $160 billion is what I'm reading. That's impossible. <laughs> Let me look it up. That would be by far the most profitable movie of all time. Right? Oh, no, it was million. It was million. <laughs> okay. I don't think enough people realize how big a billion is a billion dollars is insane so i just was way off exponentially scales up so big but it made 160 million at the box office wow and the original budget was 40 million so yeah that's a that'll get you a couple sequels that is a success yeah oh yeah and there's johnny english reborn johnny english strikes again both of which made Johnny English Reborn made 160 million. Did they write those the ones same. too? The same. And Johnny English Strikes Again was 159 million. Wow. They pretty much stayed. It's, it's almost like they got the exact same people to watch it every time. <laughs> <laughs> They're and like, I we're was not, one of them. <laughs> we're not getting a bigger audience. It's the same audience. Um, yeah, I'm curious. Did they write them as well? Or I don't it... see story by uh, Purvis and Wade. It's a shame. But it looks shame. like the story for the sequel was by the director of the original. Unless okay, I so am... there's at least like some yeah. something tying them together. It was together someone a bit. that worked on it, and then yeah, I don't know. I think Purvis and Wade probably only did the first one. Yeah, but I don't know. Um, I mean, yeah, Daniel Craig coming in, got to write for him. <laughs> it's true. Um, now I want to see Daniel Craig in like a James Bond comedy. I'd love to see him in the fourth Johnny English. <laughs> right? Yeah. But do it like, make him the bad guy. I feel like he would do it. Oh, he'd be cool. Oh, yeah. He does comedy now. And do it, but I mean, he can do it as like, what was the the man from Uncle with yeah. Henry Cavill as the villain? Like that kind of a role. I think Daniel he'd Craig be, could pull off. He'd be great. Um, the next little bit of trivia um, is just a little bit more about that original character. It says the character of Johnny English himself is based on a similar character called Richard Latham. 
who Atkinson played in a series of British television adverts for Barclay Card? I have a Barclay Card. <laughs> the character of Boff was retained from the adverts, though another actor, Henry Naylor, um, played the part in the ads. I was curious about that. Some of the gags from the adverts made it into the film, including English incorrectly identifying a waiter and inadvertently shooting himself with a tranquilizer <laughs> ballpoint pen. <laughs> um, that. Uh, another thing, the car that Johnny English used was an Aston Martin yeah. DB7 Vantage, and it was actually Rowan Atkinson's real car. Wow. That's his car. <laughs> That's awesome. Good for him. I know. Getting the Aston. It's cool. Um, yeah, that was something that I noticed where it makes sense that it's his car because it's hard to do a James Bond parody and then have the same brand of car. Like, usually a lot of parody movies would go, like, similar. Like, mm. I don't know. I, I don't know a lot of the other European brands, but, like, not an Aston, but, like, a really nice, like, BMW or something. Yeah. Interesting. BMW's way lower. Ugh, I undershot. <laughs> um, the Chinese title of this movie literally translates into Mr. Bean, or Silly Bean, as he's called in Chinese. <laughs> Becomes... He's called Silly Bean? <laughs> His name is Silly Bean? Yes. So the Chinese title, the, the translation of the Chinese title is Silly Bean Becomes a Secret Agent. <laughs> and... I, I just want to watch an animated movie with a little bean in a suit. <laughs> um, the a Brazilian... Bean, in Brazilian Portuguese, it translates to Mr. Bean, a very crazy agent. <laughs> I like... That he's so well known for playing a character that in anything else he does, they're like, ah, but that's Mr. Bean. Right? That's so funny that other countries are like, it's Mr. Bean. Yeah. (laughs) We're like, I guess our closest equivalent is like Steve Carell is Michael Scott. Or like anything he shows up, you're like, oh, that's Michael Scott. I think it's it's similar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then the last little piece of trivia I have is something that I knew, but I totally forgot until just now. Um, Uh... So I don't know if you've ever seen the non-Eon Productions James Bond film, Never Say Never Again. You've told me about it and you've played the theme song. Yeah. It's from 1983. It's actually a fun watch. Like, I don't hate it. I like I like Part of me hates it because it's non-Eon Productions. It was like an off-brand Bond film, but they got... But then um, there's like a novelty in it, right? That it's like... It's not technically Bond, but it is. Well, I, th- but... I mean, they got James Bond. You know, yeah. they got Sean Connery. So I think it was it was almost like a test to see, like, can another production company make a James Bond film? Um, Survey says no. I mean, it's not... I don't think people love it, but it's, it's a pretty good watch. The most interesting thing, though, is that um, Rowan Atkinson is in it. Oh. He plays a... a a, a British Foreign and Commonwealth Office representative. Wow. His name is Nigel Small Fawcett. <laughs> Even that, they're like, yeah, it's Rowan Atkinson. He looks funny. Give him a funny name. Yeah. So, man, he's kind of all, always been on the, uh, you know, you should be a, a funny, yeah, not agent. <laughs> Definitely, yeah, not not a, something to be taken not seriously. An agent. No, but no, no. yeah, I I forgot that he's in that movie. It's wild. That's amazing. He's much younger. Uh, yeah, that's wow. all the trivia I have. Um, wow. normally when we review a show or a movie here, we ask, could this be done as an American story? Like, could this have been done as an American production? 
No. Mm, yeah, probably not. I mean... Because we don't have any... I mean, like, we don't really have, a like, a bond in America. Not... I mean, yeah, and not, not really... Not to the point of being able to make such a close parody. Yeah. And I think people have done a good job of, like, parodying other action movies or, like, now, like, superhero movies are kind of our version of that. Um... And I think a lot of our action-oriented franchises are groups. Like, a lot of the American action movies nowadays, or at least, like, the past 20 years... Oh, they're, like, ensembles? ...have always been ensembles. Like, I can't think of the last American franchise... I mean, John Wick. But then, like, you can't make that a comedy. (laughs) Like, you can't, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't think it could work unless, like, like I said, The Other Guys is kind of this that's concept. That's actually a really, that's a pretty good comparison because it's essentially the same thing. The two yeah. guys who don't get to do anything suddenly get to, like, have their moment of glory. Yeah. And if you haven't seen that, it's worth watching just for, like, the beginning alone. It's like, pretty funny. The Just seeing The Rock and Samuel L. Jackson as, like, the biggest hotshots in the precinct. Like, they're just eating it up. It's, it's a pretty fun one. Um, but I I wish more people would play around with, in, like, political-type comedies, like these are spy thriller comedies, with how insane and nuanced the ability to, like, just take over power in a country is. Like, it's such a baffling concept to just be like, nope, he's got the crown now. Yeah. And legally, technically, this is how it can work. Like, I love those loopholes. That's the kind of thing, like, the next National Treasure movie, give me Nicolas Cage accidentally becoming president. You know, like, that's the kind of stuff that we want to see more of. Yeah. I mean, younger Nicolas Cage now. I think he's pretty crazy. He's... Do, you, do you think any, could any American do this level of like comedy in a movie do you think do we have anybody steve right Carell. now yeah i mean but, but I mean, steve Carell's already had his version of this with get um smart. with get smart yeah it's and, the same thing and yeah but i mean even then that was like five or 10 15 years ago almost yeah like i wonder like nowadays yeah it's I don't tough know. i don't know well would you like to guess your british word oh yeah let's end on a high note let's do that um, this is the part of the podcast where um, Danny doesn't know a lot of words. And so she finds a word and she's just like, wow. hey, can you, can you tell me what this means? And then I tell her and she doesn't believe me anytime, but um, wow, I will Thanks. inform you. Okay. Um, this... <laughs> All right. This is a phrase. This was submitted by um, uh, Julie. <laughs> Thank you, Julie. Doing double effort this episode. Yeah, Julie Evans has sent us candy and words that I can quiz you on. So, very helpful. Um, All right, so the phrase is, on the never-never. So, when do you think someone might use that phrase? On the never-never. Yeah. I think it refers to the um, kind of the point in the middle of the night when... So do you remember the classic tale, Peter Pan? Yes. You know, whenever they go, they float at night, like through the, the, um, they're pixie, just like the pixie dust. pixie dust in the air and they go to never, never land. Okay. And so like, it's that point at night that if you looked up, you could see somebody like 
on the never never like it it refers to like that dark point at night that like weird things can just happen like the witching hour is another phrase for on the never never oh it's like that 13 o'clock you know oh on the never never interesting well what an interesting guess you have I mean, int- do you have a different yes <sighs> yeah julie told me what it meant okay um i trust julie i trust her yeah she's english and she sends good snacks um <laughs> so uh according to julie on the never never is a slang way to say that you are buying something in installments i think it came about because when buying something this way it can seem that you never never seem to reach a point when you've paid it in full <laughs> speaking of barclay <laughs> um buying <laughs> buying on tick is another expression which means the same thing buying on tick oh okay yeah, yeah, yeah. and the never never interesting i like that yeah because it does feel that way with a lot of stuff on credit or like when you're trying to pay off your credit card yeah. and you're like "Ooh, i'm getting so close and then you have to like put your you know your tooth <laughs> your tooth <laughs> what? okay i'm glad you finished that thought you have to put you your gotta, tooth in it you, listen you pay off like a bunch of your credit card and then you go to the dentist and then you have to like put you know put more on your credit card gotcha and it never seems like you can fully get it down anyway i'm getting personal um <laughs> yeah we need to get you dental insurance well this was johnny english um a delightful movie if you think it's a dumb movie you're not wrong (laughs) but it's fun (laughs) but if you love it then you are in the company of me and sheldon yeah and if you haven't watched this in like 10 years and you're just thinking like does it hold up yeah like i mean i haven't seen it before and i think a lot of the kind of like more childish movies you don't watch that much as an adult but this one i think you can get a lot of laughs still yeah oh yeah no it's a great it's great to put on like it's not going to change your life but it is going to make you laugh so yeah (laughs) it's just really well done and like i said i i know i said this earlier but the jokes might not have really landed if not for rowan atkinson Mm -hmm. just being selling it an amazing performer so yeah and then at the other end john malkovich just being like such a great villain oh yeah like the two of them amazing they were great and great in scenes together <laughs> yeah or like you could tell that both of them didn't quite know what to do with the other one yeah. they're like they're both such prestigious actors yeah it's so good <laughs> um all right well thank you for joining us um we are gonna post a picture of our galaxy bar on instagram yeah. you can find us on instagram we are anglophiles podcast uh files with an f you can also email us with uh, other words you would like sheldon to guess yeah um we're anglophiles podcast at gmail.com files with an f all right everyone remember keep calm and pull yourself together it's only a bit of poo Edits every podcast, week, so you should know. Podcast, 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 podcast. Mr. Bean, chocolate, James Bond. Oh, did you start How recording? How does it end?